Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and get those TBR lists ready, because I'm going to talk about the most anticipated books coming out in 2020. Happy New Year, everyone. This is, of course, the first episode of the year, and I will have a host for the next episode, no need to worry. Also... If you are a Malevolent Spirit Patreon supporter, there will be a bonus episode about backlist books this month, so keep an eye out for that. It's that time of year where we are looking to see what the publishing gods have brought for us in terms of horror fiction. And let me tell you, it's some good stuff. Some good, good stuff. Um, Hearing back from some debut authors that really impressed me, and of course have some authors that never let me down. There are so many of these plot synopses that I read, and I just need these books right now. So I'm going to be going through this list chronologically. See you in a bit. All right, here we go. I am starting off with The Boatman's Daughter by Andy Davidson. This is coming out February 11th. Ever since her father was killed, when she was just a child, Miranda Crabtree has kept her head down and her eyes up, ferrying contraband for a mad preacher and his declining band of followers to make ends meet and to protect an old witch and a secret child from harm. But dark forces are at work in the bayou, both human and supernatural, conspiring to disrupt the rhythms of Miranda's peculiar and precarious life. And when the preacher makes an unthinkable demand, It sets Miranda on a desperate, dangerous path, forcing her to consider what she is willing to sacrifice to keep her loved ones safe. The Boatman's Daughter is a gorgeous, horrifying novel, a journey into the dark corners of human nature, drawing our worst fears and temptations out into the light. So I am excited about this because I loved his Bram Stoker Award nominated debut novel, In the Valley of the Sun. It is absolutely fantastic. So this is one that the minute I saw someone tweet about this, it directly went on my TBR. I didn't even read the synopsis. I just knew that I was so impressed with In the Valley of the Sun that I had to read whatever Andy Davidson put out next. So that is The Boatman's Daughter by Andy Davidson. On a lighter note, we have Solstice, a tropical horror comedy by Lawrence Allison, coming February 18th from Imprint. A music fest goes wrong in this comic YA thriller as selfie-mad concert-goers wake up to realize their tropical island fantasy is a deadly nightmare. When Audrey is offered an all-expenses-paid trip to the exclusive Solstice Festival, she throws caution, her prestigious summer internship, and her parents' goodwill to the wind. She just wants to live a little before the first days of the rest of her life, planned and scheduled in accordance with her parents' law school dreams. But when she and a horde of affluent, entitled teen partiers arrive at the island paradise, it looks nothing like the luxury vacation they were promised. There's barely any food, nowhere to stay, and not nearly enough porta potties. Pretty soon, the festival's trending on social media for all the wrong reasons. And the music acts are canceling left and right. And then the first dead body washes up on the beach. Audrey has a front row seat as everything devolves into chaos, and she's in a prime position to put together the clues to who 
or what is killing off the helpless attendees. But even if she finds the killer, how can she hope to stop them? Check your privilege at the door before it gets you killed. This is one vacation you can't escape. Now, all of this sounds strangely familiar for some reason. Like, it's almost like this is based on something that happened, but I can't quite put my finger on it. And yes, I think the atrocity that was the fire Festival is perfect for a horror story, sounds like thriller, murder, mystery, possibly. Yeah, this is when I'm interested to see how it goes. <laughs> this one just sounds really fun. So that is Solstice, a tropical horror comedy by Lawrence Allison. Next up is The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. This is coming out February 18th from Berkeley. The secrets lurking in a rundown roadside motel ensnare a young woman just as they did her aunt 35 years before. In this new atmospheric suspense novel from the national best-selling and award-winning author of The Broken Girls. Upstate New York, 1982. Every small town like Phil, New York has a place like the Sundown Motel. Some customers are from out of town, passing through on their way to someplace better. Some are locals, trying to hide their secrets. Viv Delaney works as the night clerk to pay for her move to New York City. But something isn't right at the sundown. And before long, she's determined to uncover all of the secrets hidden. This one looks interesting. I really like the cover. I will say with the synopsis, I honestly have no idea where this novel is going to go. But I'm intrigued. Uh, so I'm definitely going to keep my eye out for this one. That is The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. Next up, we have The Deep by Alma Katsu. This is coming out March 10th from Penguin. From the acclaimed and award-winning author of The Hunger comes an eerie psychological twist on one of the world's most renowned tragedies, the sinking of the Titanic and the ill-fated sail of its sister ship, the Britannic. Someone or something is haunting the ship. That is the only way to explain the series of misfortunes that have plagued the passengers on the Titanic from the moment they set sail. The Titanic's passengers expected to enjoy an experience befitting the much-heralded ship's maiden voyage. But instead, amid mysterious disappearances and sudden deaths, find themselves in an eerie, unsettling twilight zone. While some of the guests and crew shrug off the strange occurrences, Several, including maid Annie Hebley, guest Mark Fletcher, and millionaires Madeline Astor and Benjamin Guggenheim, are convinced there's something more sinister going on. And then disaster strikes. Years later, Annie, having survived that fateful night, has attempted to put her life back together by going to work as a nurse on the sixth sailing of the Britannic, a newly refitted hospital ship to support British forces fighting World War I. When she happens across an unconscious Mark, now a soldier, she is at first thrilled and relieved to learn that he too survived the tragic night four years earlier. But soon his presence awakens deep buried feelings and secrets, forcing her to reckon with the demons of her past, as they both discover that the terror may not be over yet. 
Featuring an ensemble cast of characters and effortlessly combining the supernatural with the height of historical disaster, The Deep is an exploration of love and destiny, desire and innocence, and above all, a quest to understand how our choices can lead us inexorably toward our doom. So as I mentioned before the synopsis, this is the same author that wrote The Hunger, which has been mentioned on quite a few episodes, including survival horror. This is uh, another book of historical horror, which I think she does really well. I think with The Hunger, she did a good job of keeping it mostly historically accurate. I will say obviously, except for whatever supernatural element is put into the story to make it a horror story. Almakatsu does good research and I think she has a history podcast. So if that's something you're interested in, like weird little history rabbit holes, I think that would be a good place to start. So it looks like this is going to be a historical horror novel following um, the events of the Titanic and the Britannic. And I'm interested to see what the supernatural force is and... I have a feeling that when I finish reading this, I'm going to start going down like Wikipedia rabbit holes and finding out if these people were really on the Titanic because in The Hunger, the people like the characters that were mentioned were actually people that were part of the Donner Party. So I'll be interested to look into that after reading this one. That is The Deep by Amakatsu that's coming out March 10th. We have The Return by Rachel Harrison. This is coming out March 24th from Penguin. This is a debut novel about a group of friends who reunite after one of them has returned from a mysterious two-year disappearance. Julie is missing and the missing don't often return. But Elise knows Julie better than anyone, and she feels in her bones that her best friend is out there and that one day she'll come back. She's right. Two years to the day that Julie went missing, she reappears with no memory of where she's been or what happened to her. Along with Molly and May, their two close friends from college, the women decide to reunite at the eccentric, remote Red Honey Inn. But the second Elise sees Julie, she knows something's wrong. She's emaciated, with sallow skin, chipped teeth, and odd appetites. In so many ways, Julie seems to be the friend they all loved and lost, but in others, she seems to be a stranger. When bad weather traps them inside the hotel, tensions flare. Elise begins to hear scratching within the walls and to see the slither of shadows cast by nothing. And as the weekend unfurls, it becomes impossible to deny that the Julie who vanished two years ago is not the same Julie who came back. But then who, or what, is she? So I do like the idea of all of these friends being stuck at a hotel when all of these realizations come up. I um, am currently reading this one, actually, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, Nothing, like, it hasn't... I'm about a third of the way in and I will say like nothing super crazy has happened like they just got to the hotel but I really like the setting of the hotel as the place where all of these things are going to come to light and people are going to start coming to this realization and I'm interested to see if there are supernatural elements in this and I mean what is this person? (laughs) What slash who is this person then? So if you follow me on Goodreads, I guess I will let you know what I thought of this. So this seems like, again, this is a debut novel. It sounds like a thriller. There's possibly supernatural elements. Uh, 
a friend coming back after being missing for two years. One friend starts to suspect that she is not who she says she is. It sounds like all of this happens while they are stranded in a hotel, which is always a win for me. As a lover of mysteries, a group of people being stranded at a hotel is one of my favorite things. So that is The Return by Rachel Harrison. This will be coming out March 24th. Also coming out March 24th, The Faceless Old Woman Who Lives in Your House by Jeffrey Craner and Joseph Fink. This is coming out from Harper Perennial. In the town of Nightvale, there's a faceless old woman who secretly lives in everyone's home. But no one knows how she got there or where she came from until now. Told in a series of eerie flashbacks, the story of the faceless old woman goes back centuries to reveal an initially blissful and then tragic childhood. Told in a series of eerie flashbacks, the story of the faceless old woman goes back centuries to reveal an initially blissful and then tragic childhood on a Mediterranean estate in the early 19th century. Her rise in the criminal underworld of Europe, a nautical adventure with a mysterious organization of smugglers, her plot for revenge on the ones who betrayed her, and ultimately her death and its aftermath as her spirit travels the world for decades until settling in modern-day Night Vale. Interspersed throughout is a present-day story in Night Vale as the faceless old woman guides, haunts, and sabotages a man named Craig. In the end, her current-day dealings with Craig and her swashbuckling history in 19th century Europe will come together in the most unexpected and horrifying way. Part The Haunting of Hill House, part The Count of Monte Cristo, and 100% about a faceless old woman who secretly lives in your home. I have said it before, I love the Welcome to Night Vale podcast, and I love the faceless old woman who lives in your house. I recommend picking up the audiobook because it is based on a podcast, and they do keep a lot of the same voice actors. So for this book, The Faceless Old Woman is going to be narrated by Mara Wilson, who is the voice of the faceless old woman um, in the early Night Vale episodes. And if you don't know, like Mara Wilson was the actress who played Matilda. And I love her. I cannot wait to listen to this audiobook. So that is The Faceless Old Woman Who Lives in Your House by Jeffrey Craner and Joseph Fink. Next up, we have The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. This is coming out April 7th from Simon and Schuster. Peter Straub's ghost story meets Leanne Moriarty's Big Little Lies in this American Indian horror story of revenge on the Blackfeet Indian Reservation. Four American Indian men from the Blackfeet Nation who were childhood friends find themselves in a desperate struggle for their lives against an entity that wants to exact revenge upon them for what they did during an elk hunt 10 years earlier by killing them, their families, and friends. This was one that the minute I saw a tweet about this, saw the cover, it immediately went on my Goodreads TBR. Like I didn't even ask any questions. I didn't know what this was about. Stephen Graham Jones, to me, is an auto-read author. I've enjoyed everything he's written. I know we read Mongrels for the Books in the Freezer book club last year, and that ended up being one of my favorite picks from the year. And just a story about uh, revenge from a supernatural entity sounds amazing and incredible and I need it right now and I think you do too. So that is The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. 
Next up, we have The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. This is coming out April 7th from Quirk. Fried green tomatoes and steel magnolias meet Dracula in this southern-flavored supernatural thriller set in the 90s about a woman's book club that must protect its suburban community from a mysterious and handsome stranger who turns out to be a real monster. I am 100% down just for that. I love fried green tomatoes and steel magnolias. I'm here for it. Patricia Campbell's life has never felt smaller. Her ambitious husband is too busy to give her a goodbye kiss in the morning. Her kids have their own lives. Her senile mother-in-law needs constant care, and she's always a step behind on thank you notes and her endless list of chores. The one thing she has to look forward to is her book club. A close-knit group of Charleston women, united by their love of true crime and paperback fiction. At these meetings, they're as likely to talk about the Manson family as they are about marriage, motherhood, and neighborhood gossip. The predictable pattern is upended when Patricia meets James Harris, a handsome stranger who moves into the neighborhood to take care of his elderly aunt and ends up joining the book club. James is sensitive and well-read, and he makes Patricia feel things she hasn't felt in 20 years. But there's something off about him. He doesn't have a bank account. He doesn't like going out during the day. And Patricia's mother-in-law insists that she knew him when she was a girl. An impossibility. When local children go missing, Patricia and the book club members start to suspect James is more of a Bundy than a beatnik. But no one outside the book club believes them. Have they read too many true crime books? Or have they invited a real monster into their homes? A uh, vampire in suburbia? I'm going to say yes, please. And we all know how I feel about Grady Hendrix. He is one of my favorite authors. I am so excited. Uh, just everything about this whole synopsis sounds amazing, and I need it today. April 7th cannot come soon enough. <laughs> so that is The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. Um, next up, we have If It Bleeds by Stephen King. This is coming out May 5th, and it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot to say about it. This is going to be a collection of four stories. So that's including Mr. Harrigan's Phone, The Life of Chuck, Rat, and If It Bleeds. So that is going to be coming out May 5th. And on May 12th, we have Devolution, the first-hand account of the Rainier Sasquatch Massacre by Max Brooks. When Max Brooks first came across the news story, he dismissed it as just another piece of tabloid clickbait. Bigfoot destroys town. Come on. Then he stumbled on victim Kate Holland's journals, recovered from the wreckage, her day-by-day, first-hand account of what happened. A hoax? Maybe. The ranger who found the carnage sure seems to be convinced, though, as is Kate's brother, who is sure that Kate is still alive out there, somewhere. Kate's story takes place in the community of Green Loop, a high-end, high-tech, planned community nestled in the woods of the Pacific Northwest. The place is a technocrat's back-to-nature paradise. Solar-powered smart houses, daily yoga, sustainable fruit orchards, weekly drone deliveries, and an unparalleled view of the mountains. When Mount Rainier erupts nearby, blanketing the northwest in ash and cutting off the rural enclave from civilization, 
The paradise slowly turns into a nightmare as the community struggles with day-to-day requirements of survival. They notice that wildlife is fleeing the woods en masse, and among them, glimpses of humanoid beasts straight out of local legend, growing closer and hungrier with each passing day. In these pages, Max has faithfully reproduced Kate's account, interspersed with his interview and commentary on the attack, and on the Bigfoot legend itself, leaving it to the reader to decide whether her tale is truth or fiction. So Max Brooks is the author of World War Z, and I haven't read World War Z, but what I'm led to believe is that it is kind of a stitching together of different accounts in kind of a history of what happened. And it kind of seems like that's, in a sense, what's going on here with after the eruption and everything that happens, he is stitching together this woman's story and the different accounts of what is happening there. But this time it's not zombies. It is Bigfoot, which sounds interesting. I don't think I've ever read anything about Bigfoot. (laughs) So that is Devolution, the first-hand account of the Rainier Sasquatch Massacre by Max Brooks. Next up, we have Mallory by Josh Mallerman. This is coming out May 19th from Del Rey. The film adaptation of Mallerman's first novel, Bird Box, was watched by over 45 million Netflix accounts in the first week. The best first seven days ever for a film on the platform. Countless more came to know the story through social media. The image of Sandra Bullock's character, Mallory, blindfolded as she's led through a terrifying near-future apocalypse by the trained ears of her children has become synonymous with the new generation of horror. Now, from the mind of a true master of suspense, comes the next chapter in the riveting tale. This time, Mallory is front and center, and she will confront the dangers of her world head on. Um, So that's what we know about this. We know that it's a sequel to Bird Box, and it's going to be from Mallory's point of view. We're going to get to know a little bit more about her. So it'll be interesting to check that out and dive back into the Bird Box world. So that is Mallory by Josh Mallerman. And in June, we have Wonderland by Zoya Stage. This is coming out from Hachette. If Shirley Jackson wrote The Shining, it might look like this novel. From the acclaimed author of Baby Teeth, a mother must become a protector when unnatural forces threaten her family's new and improved life in a rural farmhouse. The Bennett family, artist parents, and two precocious children leave their familiar urban surroundings for a new home in far upstate New York. They're an hour from the nearest city, a mile from the nearest house, and everyone has their own room for the very first time. Shaw, the father, even gets his own painting studio, now that he and his wife, Orla, a retired dancer, have agreed that it's his turn to pursue his passion. But none of the Bennets expect what lies in the lovely woods, where secrets run dark and deep. Orla must finally find a way to communicate with, not just resist, this unknown entity that is coming to her family, calling to them from the land, in the earth, beneath the trees, and in their mind. Uh, If Shirley Jackson wrote The Shining, is quite a descriptor for this. I do like the idea of the family being stranded in a rural setting, and maybe this time it seems like the mom is being influenced by supernatural forces. 
Uh, either way, I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for this one. It's Wonderland by Zoya Stage. Also, she's a Pittsburgh author. And also in June, we have Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia. This is coming out from Del Rey. From the author of Gods of Jade and Shadow comes a reimagining of the classic gothic suspense novel, a story about an isolated mansion in 1950s Mexico and the brave socialite drawn to its treacherous secrets. He is trying to poison me. You must come for me, Noemi. You have to save me. After receiving a frantic letter from her newlywed cousin, begging for someone to save her from a mysterious doom, Noemi Taboada heads to High Place, a distant house in the Mexican countryside. She's not sure what she will find. Her cousin's husband, a handsome Englishman, is a stranger, and Noemi knows little about the region. Noemi is also an unlikely rescuer. She's a glamorous debutante, and her chic gowns and perfect red lipstick are more suited for cocktail parties than amateur sleuthing. But she's also tough, smart, and has an indomitable will. And she's not afraid. Not of her cousin's new husband, who is both menacing and alluring. Not of his father, the ancient patriarch who seems to be fascinated by Noemi. And not even of the house itself, which begins to invade Noemi's dreams with visions of blood and doom. Her only ally in the inhospitable abode is the family's youngest son. Shy and gentle, he seems to want to help Noemi, but might also be hiding dark knowledge of his family's past. For there are many secrets behind the walls of High Place. The family's once colossal wealth and faded mining empire kept them from prying eyes. But as she digs deeper, she unearths stories of violence and madness. Noemi, mesmerized by terrifying yet seductive world of High Place, may soon find it impossible to ever leave this enigmatic house behind. I need this. <laughs> this sounds incredible. First of all, this cover is breathtaking. Uh, this immediately went on my wish list. I know Sylvia Moreno Garcia is an author we have mentioned before. I believe Rachel mentioned her in our Canadian author episode. I don't know. This this synopsis is giving me some Daphne du Maurier vibes, and I am here for it. Let me just say that. <laughs> I this is going on my my short list. Yeah, this like the minute I heard about this, I follow Sylvia Moreno Garcia on Twitter, and the minute that she put out she tweeted out this cover. I, much like the Stephen Graham Jones tweet, immediately added this to my TBR. And yeah, I cannot wait for this. This sounds so me. And that is Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. Next up, we have Survivor Song by podcast favorite Paul Tremblay. This is coming out July 7th from William Morrow. In a matter of weeks, Massachusetts has been overrun by an insidious rabies-like virus that is spread by saliva. But unlike rabies... The disease has a terrifyingly short incubation period of an hour or less. Those infected quickly lose their minds and are driven to bite and infect as many others as they can before they inevitably succumb. Hospitals are inundated with the sick and dying, and hysteria has taken hold. To try and limit its spread, the Commonwealth is under quarantine and curfew, but society is breaking down and the government's emergency protocols are faltering. 
Dr. Ramola Rams Sherman, a soft-spoken pediatrician in her mid-30s, receives a frantic phone call from Natalie, a friend who is eight months pregnant. Natalie's husband has been killed, viciously attacked by an infected neighbor, and in a failed attempt to save him, Natalie too was bitten. Natalie's only chance of survival is to get to a hospital as quickly as possible to receive a rabies vaccine. The clock is ticking for her and her unborn child. Natalie's fight for life becomes a desperate odyssey as she and Rams make their way through a hostile landscape filled with dangers beyond their worst nightmares, terrifying, strange, and sometimes deadly challenges that push them to the brink. Paul Tremblay once again demonstrates his mastery in this chilling and all-too-plausible novel that will leave readers racing through the pages and shake them to their core. This sounds crazy and terrifying. I've always been really scared of um, epidemic stories, and I want to say this all traces back to the fact that I watch Outbreak. You remember that Dustin Hoffman movie with the monkey? Yeah, when I was very young, and it just forever scarred me. <laughs> so I'll be interested in this. I can see the the zombie parallels with the biting as a form of spreading the disease. So yeah, as you know, Paul Tremblay is one of my personal favorite authors. So of course I am going to check this out. And that is Survivor Song by Paul Tremblay. And last, but certainly not least, from another podcast favorite, we have Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Caesar. This is coming out in August from Harper Teen. Quid Maybrook just wants to make it until graduation. She might not make it to morning. Quinn and her father moved to tiny, boring Kettle Springs to find a fresh start. But ever since the Bay Pen corn syrup factory shut down, Kettle Springs has cracked in half. On one side are the adults, who are desperate to make Kettle Springs great again, and on the other are the kids, who want to have fun, make prank videos, and get out of Kettle Springs as soon as they can. Kettle Springs is caught in a battle between old and new, tradition and progress. It's a fight that looks like it will destroy the town. Until Frendo, the Bay Pen mascot, a creepy clown in a pork pie hat, goes homicidal and decides that the only way for Kettle Springs to grow back is to cull the rotten crop of kids who live there now. Uh, clowns are just, I think, creepy. I think we as a society have passed the point where clowns are like wholesome. This sounds amazing. I was very excited for this too. The minute this was announced, uh, yes, because I also follow Adam on Twitter and on YouTube, and you should too, because he is great. As I mentioned, he has been recommended quite a few times on this show, and this seems really interesting. I love the idea that this is exploring you know, intergenerational tensions and is possibly mirroring some real life stuff that's going on. And yeah, clowns, always creepy. So I cannot wait to read this. I realized that that's that's basically what the new release episodes are, are just like, are just by saying that I am excited about every book. But I am so excited about this. This is Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Caesar. And go check that out. So those are the 2020 horror book releases I am keeping an eye on. Uh, 
I might do one mid-year when more books are announced kind of for the second half of the year. These are, you know, obviously what is known right now. But there are so many great books here. I am so excited for 2020 as a reading year. There are just so many books that I cannot wait for. And yeah, let me know what new release you are the most excited about. So those have been the 2020 horror book releases. Now it's time for Chilling Obsessions. Uh, Since it is just me, obviously, I will give you my Chilling Obsession. That is how this works. Now for a Chilling Obsession. I watched Anna in the Apocalypse and I absolutely loved it. I realize it's not Christmas anymore and this is definitely a Christmassy movie, but just a horror movie and a musical put together in one just seems like people got together in a lab and marketed this specifically to me. Even though it is about zombies and zombies, I have mentioned before, are not my favorite. The tone of this was so fun. Just the energy, the gore, the teen angst on top of all of this was just so perfectly well done. It was such an enjoyable experience. Uh, It's very Shaun of the Dead-esque, obviously, but with teen girls and musical numbers. So it follows like a girl named Anna, her and her friend wake up and discover that the world was taken over by zombies the night before. And they are trying to get to the school, which is like the safe place in their town. And, you know, they come across other classmates and kind of get together. And it is just, I mean, I don't know what other word to describe it, but fun. It's a great time. It's a good, like, lighthearted movie. I think it's made its way onto my annual Christmas watch list. Like, I enjoyed it that much. So that is Anna in the Apocalypse. I believe it's currently on Amazon Prime and Hulu, if you would like to check that out. This is Books in the Freezer. We post episodes every other Tuesday. Like I said, we I will be back two Tuesdays from now with a guest covering a subgenre of horror and giving book recommendations. So just a normal episode. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, or at Facebook.com slash Books in the Freezer. You can send us an email at Books in the Freezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at Books in the Freezer.com. And we are on Patreon at Books in the Freezer. Like I said, there will be a a bonus episode for malevolent spirit Patreon supporters about backlist books and reading goals. Axe-wielding maniac supporters, I am planning an author interview soon. And the axe-wielding maniac malevolent spirit supporters will get to know who it is and have first dibs asking questions. Uh, So keep an eye out for that. And of course, if you are a Final Girl supporter, you always get the episodes on Sunday instead of Tuesday. And you get to know what the topic is before the episode goes out. So thank you so much to all of you who support me on Patreon. I appreciate every time people give shout outs on Twitter, every time you post that you're listening to the podcast on your stories. I love it. And that is how 
indie podcasts like this grow is through word of mouth. So again, thank you so much. And let me know what book you are looking most forward to in the coming year. Thank you so much. I am Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That is L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N or on Instagram at that's what she read and that's with two A's or on YouTube at that's what she read. And before I go, I wanted to give a big thank you to Nicholas Gasparini for the music in this episode. I think it added a little bit more and it kept it from me just talking for 45 minutes. Uh, So thank you so much. You can find his stuff over at the darkpiano.com. And podcast artwork was done by my good friend, Isaac Ali. You can find him on Twitter at Here Lies Isaac. If you would be interested in running an ad on Books in the Freezer, just send me an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com to discuss. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, join us next time for Books in the Freezer. <laughs> <laughs>